All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us online here at New Post Church. Uh, looks a little bit different in the scene today because um, we wanted to record something a little bit different, maybe give a little different of a flavor for you guys for our online church today. So I'm so happy that you guys are joining us. If you have your Bibles, grab them, pop them open, because I'm encouraged to give you a word today. But before we get there, I want to ask you guys um, a question or maybe just kind of tell you something about me and maybe you can relate. Um, I don't know about you, but I love setting goals. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do, and I enjoy setting goals because it's, it's tangible. It's something that I can, I can set a goal and then I can pursue it, and when I arrive at that goal or when I achieve that goal, it's easy for me to see the payoff of it. And so for me, I enjoy setting the goals. Maybe you're that way too. I know that I sure enjoy it. I have actually goals in all areas of my life. I have financial goals. I have relational goals. I have spiritual goals. Um, I have physical goals. I have all sorts that I pursue. In fact, one of those is for me and my wife, Leah, we want to want to be around each other when our kids leave. You guys have seen those relationships before where the kids are kind of the center of the relationship and nothing works after the kids leave. Well, we set a goal that we weren't going to be that way. So that meant we had to make decisions now that benefited our marriage in the future. And we do the same thing financially. We do the same thing with our friend groups. We make decisions now that we know affect our future. And that's also part of the reason I like working out so much is because I could set a simple goal. I want to lift X amount of weight. And then once I have decided that's the goal I want to achieve, I build a program or I follow a program to achieve that goal. And then in eight weeks, 10 weeks, 13 weeks, 16, however long it is, I arrive at that goal, my preferred destination, and I'm happy. And I know this about you, even if I haven't met you before. You want to get this thing that we called life, you want to get this right. You want to have a good relationship with your wife or with your husband. You want to have a good relationship with your kids. You want to have a successful job. You want to be able to retire at a good age. You surely don't want to be dealing with all the problems that you look around and see everybody else dealing with because you're smart and you want those same things. But here's what I know about you, even though we may not have connected, and that is you set goals in those areas of your life too. Whether you recognize it or not, you have goals in those areas of your life. And, and maybe you haven't written them down yet. Maybe you haven't um, sat down and you know, done a vision board or, or one of those things before, but you have goals in those areas. So I want you to do an exercise with me. If you are watching on your phone, you can swipe up and open up the notes app and you can have a note there while I'm still talking in the background. I encourage you to do that or grab a piece of paper and a pen because I want you to do an exercise that's going to make uh, the message today so much more impactful. And this exercise is I want you to ask yourself the question, okay? I want you to close your eyes and we're going to ask yourself this question. I want you to think about yourself in five years. Think about who you want to be in five years. Think about who you want to be as a husband. Think about who you want to be as a wife. Think about who you want to be as a boss or as a leader. Think about what you want your life to look like in five years. Where do you want to be financially? Where do you want to be with your friend group? And then when you open your eyes, I want you to, to write that down. So take a moment right now and grab a piece of paper or use it on your phone. I want you to write down what that is, what exactly it is that you want your life to look like in five years. And this is important because we're in a series starting this week 
titled You in Five Years. And this whole series around this idea is we want to take an honest look at decisions that we're currently making or decisions that we have made. We're going to take an honest look at those and see if those are helping or if those are hurting where we want to be in five years. Years, Because what you know and what I know, and maybe we haven't put words around it before, but this is just the truth of it, that our life is made up of a series of decisions, either good or either bad. And this first message we're going to talk about in this series, it lays the foundation for what's going to happen over the next four or five weeks. So if you, if you, as you're watching this and maybe you're out of town for the next few weeks, or maybe you're joining us from, from Florida, or maybe you're joining us online from anywhere, um, I encourage you to stay on track with this series because we're going to set the foundation in this message, and then we're going to move on in the other ones, and we're going to hit specific areas of our life that we know decisions need to be made in order to do things successful. So, As we get started today, I need to teach you this one statement because this is going to undergird everything that we talk about and it's going to kind of prop up this entire series. And that is that your decisions determine your destination in life. Your decisions determine your destination in life, not your intentions, not your desires. And and forgive me for those of you that are super spiritual, not always your prayers either, but it's your decisions that determine your destination in life. And that means that you need to make, and I need to make, and we together collectively need to make good decisions. But not just good decisions. Good is a, is a, is a loaded word. It's even hard to apply. We honestly need to make wise decisions. Wise decisions. Not just the right ones, because those are sometimes ambiguous. It's hard to understand that. Sometimes they're, they're subjective. Not the morally or ethically right decisions either, because I know you, you're, you're a morally or ethically right person. There's no reason that you would make an immoral or an unethical choice. And how many of you know that you can make moral decisions and ethical decisions and still be broke? You can make moral and ethical decisions and still have no relationship with your spouse. You can make moral and ethical decisions and still not get promoted at work and not have a retirement fund when you get there. You can make moral and ethical decisions But those aren't necessarily going to make your life better or improve you or help you reach who you want to be in five years. Those are simply going to make sure you're a moral and ethical person. And if you're watching this for any amount of time and you're a follower of Jesus, that's the expectation. The expectation is that you would be a moral and ethical person. We're not talking about just getting over the bottom bar. We're talking about making wise decisions and why it is so important to make wise decisions. Decisions. So if you have your Bibles, pull them out because we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Now, as we get started, I got to tell you something a little bit about the background, and I got to introduce you to a few different characters that we're going to learn about. So, Proverbs was primarily written by Solomon, and he has a lot to say about wise decisions. He has a whole lot to say about wise decisions. In fact, many people would say he was the wisest man to ever live. And he was, I mean, thinking about the amount of wealth he was able to generate and the relationships that he was able to, to generate and all those different things. It's, it's important to realize that he has a lot to say when it comes to wise decisions. Now, as we get started today, uh, I want to introduce you to four characters 
that kind of start in Proverbs chapter 1 and they go all the way to Proverbs chapter 9. So in uh, Proverbs chapter 1 through 9, we have the fatherly king. Okay, that's one character. We have Lady Wisdom is another character that we're going to be introduced to. And then later on in the series, we're going to be introduced to a Wicked Man and Lady Folly. Okay, so there's four different characters. And as we start, this verse we're going to look into in just a second. This verse is the fatherly king speaking to his son. So the fatherly king is the voice or the narrator. And we, as we're reading the text, we are the son or the person sitting at his feet learning and getting instruction from him. So if you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 6, it says this, Do not forsake wisdom, the author says, and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. And again, we see this and we don't always pay attention to some of the things that is, that is honestly being said here. And before we get into some of the depth of this, uh, you're going to see this consistently throughout the Proverbs and then again throughout all of the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, this idea of applying a persona to a characteristic of God or this idea of applying a persona to an emotion or to a feeling. This was common storytelling in those days, and that's really how they took a, a difficult concept and they applied it or they made it more tangible or more uh, hands-on for somebody to understand. And Jesus did the same thing. You've heard of the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son is Jesus taking the character of God. He's taking the character of God and he's putting it into a story that we would understand. Instead of just saying God's forgiving, he says, no, 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 God is not just forgiving, he's redemptive. And let me tell you a story. God, the father, the father in this story, the son runs away, but then the father waits. And when the son starts to come back, the father runs to the son He's characterizing and using a persona to explain God. The same thing is what Solomon, the same thing Solomon is doing here. This is common in modern storytelling too. If you uh, have ever heard um, or, or watched the movie Inside Out, it's a Disney movie where all the emotions have little different colors and little different people. Well, that, that's actually a great representation of us taking a difficult thing to understand and putting a persona to it so that we can fully understand it. And this one in particular is the fatherly king, right, speaking to the son about the importance of lady wisdom. Says that, that do not forsake it, meaning pursue it. Don't spend any time uh, ignoring it. Don't forsake it. And she will protect you, love her, and she will watch over you. So there's a benefit to following or being a person of wisdom. And the father continues in the next verse. He says, the beginning of wisdom is this. So this is something we need to lead into. We need to pay attention. We need to get ready to write down because I don't know about you, but I, wanna, I want some wisdom. And the beginning of wisdom, okay, I'm ready. The beginning of wisdom, Brandon, what's the beginning of wisdom? Is simply get wisdom, the author says. Get it. Though it cost all you have, he says, get understanding. His point is simply this, that the beginning of wisdom, the beginning, the first step of being a wise individual is recognizing the value of wisdom and then pursuing it. That's the first step to being a wise individual. Because those people who are unwise, or as they're listed in the Proverbs or spoke about in the Proverbs, they're called the fool. The fool uh, is the person that forsakes wisdom. They make decisions for the here and now. They make decisions that if it feels good, do it. They make decisions as if I'm just enjoying and living it up now. They are, um, if you've ever heard of this term, they're the YOLO people. That's the fool. 
And Solomon says, that's not what we should do. He says that if you want to make wise decisions, the first step you have to make is deciding to pursue wisdom. Then he goes on to describe wisdom. He says, cherish her. So he's kind of bracketed this. He says, cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Again, if you lean into wisdom and you pursue wise decisions, it will benefit you. And he goes on to say that great kings honor Lady Wisdom, great queens honor Lady Wisdom, great leaders pay attention to what Lady Wisdom have to say, smart people pay attention to what Lady Wisdom has to say. Now, before we go any further, I need to teach you about this character, Lady Wisdom, because remember I said that it's a personification of God. Lady Wisdom is the personification of God's wisdom or righteous wisdom. And this, again, happens all over the Old Testament. In fact, you would be surprised how many times that you're reading in Proverbs, Psalms, or the prophetic books where they are applying a persona to God or a persona to God so that we could understand a character of God a little bit better or a characteristic of God a little bit better. But that's hard to understand, isn't it? This idea of God's wisdom. Or as it's translated in some, righteous wisdom. I mean, come on, that is, that's hard. That's, that's not sticky. That's, that's complicated. It's very hard for us to understand. How do we interact with it? And then furthermore, that seems to muddy the, the waters of how do I even make a, a wise decision now? Because it was easy when it was kind of just the right, you know, smart thing to do. But now it's, we're talking about godly righteousness and wisdom. I mean, now it seems, Brandon, that that is, that is so far away from my capabilities, so I don't even know what the next step would be. Well, I've crafted a question over the years that has helped me unpack these moments and these questions, and when I come to these, these times where I need to make a wise decision, not a right or a wrong or a morally or ethically right decision, not those kind of moments. Those moments kind of speak for themselves. I'm speaking more of the moments when you're coming to a place and you're like, I need to make a wise decision. So here's the question. The question is, based on what I know about God, where I want to end up, and where I've been, what is the wise decision to make? And I understand it's long, I understand it's clunky, I understand it's wordy, but I really couldn't get it to anything easy, you know, shorter than this. Because over the past few years, this has helped me so many times make wise decisions, especially as it does, when it's not about a morally or ethically right thing to do. Those are easy decisions, right? This is when it's a hard decision that I have to make a wise decision. So we're going to break that down a little bit. So, th- so we're going to break it down in a few different pieces. So the first part is based on what I know about God, based on what I know about God. So the first thing we got to do is based on what the Bible tells me about God. So let me tell you this, if you are wrestling with what the right decision is, but the Bible says don't do X, then you should not do X. That should answer your question pretty simply. If you're thinking about whether you, what is right and what is wrong, like, I don't know, should I steal this thing? Well, no, because the answer is obviously no, right? I mean, we know that. So God speaks through the Bible and how his character is. So based on what I know about God, based on what I know about his character, And you don't always learn about God's character 
just just in the Bible. You learn about it in other places. It's why it's so important to get involved in a life group. It's why it's so important to join a serving team here at the church because that's where you get connected with a community of people. And when you get connected with a community of people, those people can speak into you as it relates to different parts of your life. So you have to put the energy into it and pursue those things so that you can understand God's character a little bit better. So based on what I know about God, my experience, what I know about God, where I want to end up is the second part of the question. Based on what I know about God, where I want to end up. And that is what you wrote down on your card at the beginning of this message. It's where you sat down and you wrote down what you want your life to look like in five years. I want you to to take that and I want you to remember that goal. Remember that destination you have in mind. Because remember, your decisions determine your destination. Not your prayers, not your hopes, not your dreams, none of that. Your decisions to make wise decisions determine whether you reach your destination or not. So the first one is, what does God say about it? And then the second thing is, where do I want to be? Let me consider, where do I want to be in my life, my preferred future? So if I have a desire to be a good husband, and this is, I want my wife and and our relationship to survive our children then what we need to do means the decisions, the wise decisions we have to make now are her and I spending time together, are her and I spending time together away from the children. That's her and I spending quality time together so that when the kids leave, I don't look across the bed and go, who is this person sitting across from me? I don't know who this is because it's a wise decision. And I'm keeping the goal or the destination in mind throughout the entire process. And then the last part is based on where I've been. So my experiences, what I've seen in the past, what I've done in the past, what I've done wrong in the past, and then what I've done right in the past, or what you've seen others do right, or what you've seen others do wrong. You've experienced those things before, right? Where you sat back, I mean, we've all got got those friends, where you sat back and you know exactly what they need to do. There's no doubt in your mind what they need to do. And you have tried to coach them. You've tried to talk to them. You've tried to guide them and direct them. And you've tried so hard and so significantly to say, hey, hey, it's okay. This is how you do it. Maybe you've even gone taken them out to coffee and you've had big meetings with them and you wrote it down on a piece of paper and you said, okay, here's what you need to do. Step one. Okay, ready? Step two. Ready? Step three. And you've done that with them. And then they don't do any of it at all. And so you can look at those experiences that you have in your life and you can say, well, I watched Susie jack that whole thing up. So I'm not going to make the decision that she made. And then you kind of work all that together. So you've got these three categories you bring into the mix. And when you kind of bring them into the mix, you finish with asking the question, what is the wise decision to make? Not the easy one, not the simple one, not the popular one. What is the wise decision? Because sometimes the wise decision is the hard one. Sometimes the wise decision is saying, I'm ready for that relationship and friendship to end. Maybe the wise decision is saying, no, it would be great to buy this now, but I have a destination and a goal that I want to get to. Maybe the wise decision, it's not easy. Maybe the wise decision is telling your friends, hey guys, I know we're going out, you guys are going out tonight, and you're going to party and get turned up, all that. But um, I- I'm not in that scene anymore because 
my wife and I are going out on a date tonight because I want to spend time with her because that relationship in five years matters to me. Again, it's not going to be the easiest all the time. It's not going to be the simplest all the time. It's not even going to be the most popular all the time, but it will be the wisest. So again, the question in its entirety is based on what I know about God. So my experiences, reading the scriptures, being in community with godly believers, based on what I know about God, where I want to end up, again, my destination, and where I've been, what I've gone through, what I've experienced, what I've seen others do, what I've seen others do wrong, what I've seen them do right. What is the wise decision to make? And I could tell you from experience, Every bad decision I've made in leadership, every bad decision I've made related in my marriage and in, as my kids is when I don't ask these questions. When I come to the crossroads, and it's not necessarily a right or wrong answer question anymore, it's just a what's the wise decision to make, those, those are tough. Those are the ones that I sit back and when I don't ask this question, normally it comes back to bite me. You can probably... Think of a few different times where that's happened in your life. But in chapter 8, we're moving on. In chapter 8, we see, we hear the voice of Lady Wisdom herself. So we hear the promises of God to the people who would pursue godly wisdom. But first, the author, Solomon, he has to set the stage for us because it's kind of a lot for us to make that quick of a turn. So we're going to go Proverbs chapter 8, starting right in verse 1. So if, again, if you have your Bibles, flip over there. Proverbs chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Solomon says this, does not wisdom call out, does not understanding raise her voice. At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance. She cries aloud. And now you hear that and you go, okay, Brandon, what does that mean? And why do I care? Like, I'm not interested in that. You just told me I need to make wise decisions. Okay, but why are you saying this to me? This actually should be an encouragement to you. This should be an encouragement to you because the language used here is meant to convey the idea that wisdom is available for everybody. It's not like only the elite people get to understand wisdom. Only the CEOs and only the pastors and only the authors and politicians and religious leaders, like only the elite of the world get wisdom. Like, no, that's not what it says. In fact, the language here is meant to say that wisdom places herself at a crossroads. And when she places herself at a crossroads or at a city gate, a place that's heavily trafficked, she calls out what the wise decision to make is. Again, there's been times in my life where I've known the wise decision and I've decided to do something else for whatever reason. Maybe I've not made the wise decision. Maybe I've made the popular decision. Maybe I haven't made the wise decision, but I made the easy one or the simple one. And every time it's come back to bite me because wisdom is right there. And she calls out, to use the language here in the proverb, she calls out, standing at the street corner, at the crossroads, at the city gates. Everybody hears her. Everybody walks by her. And that means that we have a decision to make. We can decide whether we pursue wisdom or we can decide whether we don't. We can decide whether we go after it, or we can decide whether we don't. And again, this should be encouraging to you because it's something that you can achieve. Now, after this verse, Solomon shifts out of the voice of the fatherly king and shifts into the voice of Lady Wisdom herself. So think about it as God's righteousness 
and his righteous wisdom speaking over you. And she gives a long speech about the benefits of following her and everything that she does for us. And um, in fact, your homework this week, if you, if you want some, is I want you to go and just read the entirety of Proverbs 8. It's super short. Don't give me the excuse you don't have time. You have plenty of time. You have a drive to work. Put it on, Audible, on your Bible app and hit the thing to just hear what she has to say about being, about being wise and how important it is to be wise. And then right at the end of that speech, she gets through a whole bunch of different things, talks about a whole a bunch of different things. And then right at the end, right at the end, she says this, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Again, hearkening back to what we read about in chapter four, where it says the first step to being a wise individual is getting wisdom or pursuing wisdom. That is the first step. And it says, she says, blessed are those who listen to me. Not just who hear me, not just who, who hear the voice of wisdom or making the wise decision. No, no, no. Those who listen and make the wise decision, watching daily at my doors, waiting in my doorway. The point is, is that consistency is key when it comes to reaching your destination. If you want to reach your five-year goal, your five-year you, if you want to do that, that means you have to make consistent, good, wise, godly decisions day after day after day, not just simply one. Don't th- think about it like this. You made one good investment in the stock, in the stock market doesn't make you a millionaire. Okay, maybe it did if you put it on Facebook or Instagram or, or one of those. But if it, it, it's probably not. It's probably going to take a, a plethora of good investments over time before you end up making all of the money. The same thing is true in your life. It's going to be consistent over time that that's when you're going to see it. And the language she's using is daily, watching daily at my doors waiting at my doorway, meaning right there, looking for me, searching for the wise decision, wanting to make the best decision. It says, for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord, but those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. You've met people like this before. You've interacted with people. The wise decision is right in front of them. Lady Wisdom is calling from the street corner. You and your friends and everybody else is talking to them saying, this is what you should do. This is the right answer. This is how you move forward. And they completely ignore it. They ignore what God has said about something or they have ignored what their experience has told them or what their friend's experience has told them. They ignore their five-year goal, their destination they want to reach, and they make the decision that's easy. They make the decision that's simple. They make the decision that's popular. They make the decision that's fun. They don't make the decision that's going to help them get to the five-year them. That's what Lady Wisdom is saying here. Those who pursue her, they receive a blessing and favor from the Lord, she says, but those who fail, they, they harm themselves. Those who fail to find her, fail to listen, don't pay any attention, eventually they will 
harm themselves. Notice he doesn't say that they are morally or ethically wrong or bad people. Simply says that refusing to acknowledge wisdom means that you're going to make some dumb decisions. And those dumb decisions are going to affect you greatly. This is true in your spiritual life too. This is far more spiritual than you give it credit for. That when you don't make any effort to connect with God, when you don't make any effort to get to know him better, you're not interested in any of those things because that's what a wise Christian does is pursues God, understands God, tries to learn more about him and Jesus all the time. If you don't do any of those things, don't be surprised when your relationship with him withers away because you're not making wise decision, the wise decisions as it relates to your relationship with your heavenly father. And again, you know people like this. And you don't want to be people like this. You don't want to be a person like that. In fact, when I said it, you had a person come into your mind. And when they came into your mind, you're like, oh, I got somebody like that. And you don't want to be that way. You want to be the best wife that you can be. You want to be the best husband that God can empower you to be. You want to be the best leader that Jesus can lead you to be. And in order to do that, that means you have to make wise, godly and wise decisions. In fact, I bet that you can look over your life over the last few years, maybe even this year. I know I can. And you can look back and you can think through some of the times in which you didn't make a wise decision and that you didn't make a wise decision. So that affected probably more than just you too, didn't it? Probably affected your family or it affected people that you worked with or it affected those that you love. Because very rarely do our decisions stop at us. Most of the time, they carry on into our family or into our loved one or into our friends. And I bet that if you would have asked that question, what is the wise thing to do? Not the easy, right, simple, popular, but what is the wise thing to do? You probably could have avoided it. And if it was a hard question or a hard decision, you could have asked the long form of that question based on what I know about God, where I want to end up, and what I've experienced and what I've been through, what is the wise decision to make? I bet that some of those things that you've experienced could have been alleviated. Some of those pains and hurts that you've experienced or just some of the hard times in your life could have been alleviated if you would have wrestled this one question to the ground. What is the wise decision to make? So, over the next four weeks, I'm going to give you the first part of this question. The first part of this question, based on what I know about God, I'm going to do my best with your help to teach you about God and what he thinks about certain situations and how we should handle certain situations. The other two parts, the where I want to end up and where I've been, that's on you. You've got to come up with those. But I think together we can kind of formulate a good plan for moving forward to help you become the best you in five years. Because, like I said, if you wrote it down on the piece of paper, you have a destination. You have a place to be in five years. You have a goal to be, or you have a goal to reach in five years. Don't let the temporary, don't let the here and now hinder that goal that you want to reach in five years. So, have you been making wise decisions? And with that, I would love to pray for you. Father, thank you for this teaching that you've given us from the writing of Solomon. 
Thank you for the way that you have encouraged us to make wise decisions. And God, we know that wise decisions are not easy. We know wise decisions sometimes are difficult, sometimes are unpopular, and they're challenging. So Lord, we ask that you would just give us the courage to make the wise decisions, and Holy Spirit, that you would help us clear the fog in our life so that we can choose the de- and we can make the decisions that are best for us. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you are with us every step of the way and that we would be ever attuned to your voice as we move through life. We love you and we give you all the praise. The church said, amen. Thank you guys. We'll see you right here next week for part two of You in Five Years.